Thanks for joining Cornerstone for our message of the week. We hope you'll be inspired and encouraged. To connect with our church family and to watch our services live, download our app today by texting Sparks Will Fly as one word, app to 77977. That's Sparks Will Fly app to 77977 or by visiting us online at sparkswillfly.cc. Well, good morning, everybody. Um, so good to come to you this morning. Uh, this is obviously not my idea of how I wanted to start the first Sunday in January, but it's where we find ourselves. And we have, um, as you know from a little short clip I shot the other day, there um, that before Christmas, few uh, I don't know, maybe maybe on Monday or whatever of that week, um, I started not feeling well, and then. Catherine got sick on Tuesday of that week, and she and I went and got tested, and we tested positive for uh, COVID, and um, so that was through the holidays, and she and I are doing much better, and then um, Matt and Nicole got sick, and we just have a few other people that are sick this morning, and we felt it was best that we should not gather this morning, but just um, take this time to get everyone well and get let everyone get rested up, and then we plan on next Sunday we plan on uh, being live uh, here again um, and so so but we just want to uh, pray right quick we pray for um, all of those that are sick this morning we got several people in our community and county uh, that are sick and so father I just lift up them in the name of the Lord this morning I pray that you would strengthen them by the power of the Holy Spirit father we rebuke COVID-19 in the name of Jesus Christ Father, we rebuke sickness and disease off of your people right now, and we command it to go in Jesus' name. And Father, I pray, Lord, over every household in this county, community, and all of those that are watching us, all of those that are connected to us, I speak the blessing of God upon their house. And Lord, we just thank you in the mighty name of Jesus. Well, friend, I've got, uh, I want to jump in the word this morning. I really um, not sure how all this is going to come out. I really just want to really share from my heart more than, you know, a lot of times I try to come on the first week of January and release what I feel like God's saying to us, maybe for the year or whatever. I really don't have that this morning. What I really have is just something in my heart. I'm really going to talk about um, my own journey and where I'm at and, and the things that I'm trying to, to establish in my own heart. And I think that I got a word from someone the other day. They texted me and said they were just going to send me a text of just they love me and wish me a happy new year. And um, and they just felt like the Lord dropped something in their spirit for me and they began to share. And um, and so one of the one of the things that they shared in that text with me was that God was going to use the battles in which I've been in um, to help me to teach others how to fight and how to how to obtain victory in, in these certain areas. And so what I want to teach from this morning has really been my journey for over a year now. Um, you know, 2020 was a challenging year uh, for, for all of us as we, we see a lot of slogans that we're all in this thing together. You know, I'd have never thought that watching something uh, in January of 2020 of a virus that was in China, now how it has just got even us down here in the rural areas of the south and so uh it's been a very challenging year um a lot of us had our faith challenged to the core 
uh, this year. And uh, through it all, God has been faithful. And so for me, it really started in December of, um, of 19. We lost uh, uh, one of our beloved church members. And you know, as a pastor... You know, for me and Catherine, we left we left our family and everything we known to come to an unknown land uh, because we felt like the Lord asked us to go on a journey, and um, the Lord never showed. I'm gonna be a little emotional. I can hardly tell it. The Lord never showed the challenges, but He did give me a promise, and it was a promise uh, from a Joe Nichols song. Somewhere sunny in 75. And I felt like the Lord told me that it will always be sunny in 75. Friend, I want to encourage you this morning, no matter what storm you're facing, there's always light through the storm. He's always shining through. And He's always for us. And when we got in December, and I got a call at, you know, at 2 o'clock in the morning, not only was he a church member, but was a friend. And, and he had gone from laughing in the back of the church to go on to be with the Lord and he had stepped into eternity. Not only that, to go within a few short weeks of then burying my own brother-in-law who was, who was not just a brother, not just a brother-in-law, but he was a brother to me. And then we get into March of this year and then as leadership, having to make a decision to whether we shut down our local assemblies. And to me, church has never been a religious thing. It has never been something that um, we had to do. I've always loved to gather with the people. David said it like this. Um, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. You remember in the scripture where Jesus, where his mother was outside and they said, Jesus, your, your mother's outside and she wants to see you. And he said, who is my brother? And who is, I mean, who is my mother? And who is my brother except for these in here? Jesus wasn't devaluing family, but what he was, he was putting a, he was putting a greater emphasis at, the, at that moment on the spiritual family. So for me, when we gather together, man, it's an amazing thing to worship with God's people. We draw strength. We draw encouragement. Uh, there's just something about the corporate setting of worship that I love and I long for. It's something that I look forward to every week of gathering with God's people just to see what happens, man. In the old covenant, they, they went in the temple one way and they exited another way. That is a was a prophetic sign that we will never gather as God's people and come together and we will never leave the same way that we came in. And, and I, I just so long and look forward to that. But we were faced with a decision to make whether we whether we continue um, in the midst of a pandemic. There's not a leader on the face of the earth that has ever led uh, through something like this. And so we made the decision um, because of the heart cry of our leaders in our community and for the protection of our community and our own people that we chose to shut down. And in that, um, in that period of time, uh, I think we can all say that we found a, a newfound rest and it was a closeness of our family. I've, I've seen the Lord strengthen my family so much in 2020. And I'm so thankful for that. 
And as a minister of the gospel, it's not by how many members you can run. It's not by how much ties you can get into place. The greatest place to minister is your own home. And so uh, what does it mean if, mean if we gain the whole world, but we lose our own house? And so the light that shines the brightest, uh, the Father, is, shines the brightest at home. And so I'm very thankful for the time that we had uh, to strengthen our families in 2020. And so I look with great anticipation for this year, man. I'm very excited. Uh, there's a lot of things that I've carried in my heart for many years, and I believe we're on the precipices of seeing a lot of those things come to pass. And so this morning, I'm going to try to preach without crying. I am, uh, I am feeling what I'm talking about this morning. And um, so I want to preach or talk to you guys this morning from the topic of learning to trust because this is where I've been at. I'm, I'm learning. You know, I've been in the ministry for over 20 years and a lot of people that know me, man, they, they see uh, a passionate guy. They see a strong person. Um, I mean, um, just like a lion. But I have found in 2020 and over the past little bit through the dreams that God's trying to speak to me, that there's some areas of my heart that he is trying to solidify in the area of trust. And so I want to read from uh, the Gospel of Mark, and I want to jump in in Mark chapter 4 in verse uh, 35. It says, Later that day after he grew dark, Jesus said to his disciples, Let us cross over to the other side of the lake. After they had sent the crowd away, they shoved off from the shore with him, as he had been teaching from the boat. And there were other boats that sailed with them. And suddenly, as they were crossing the lake, a ferocious tempest arose with violent winds and waves that were crashing into the boat until it was all but swamped. But Jesus was calmly sleeping in the stern, resting on a cushion. Friend, it don't matter what we face in this life. We can be at a place of rest. He gives his beloved rest. Rest is not the absence of work. It's, it's learning to live at that place of total trust that we are his beloved sons and daughters of God. In this violent wind, Jesus is laying on a cushion in the boat sleeping. The reason why his head and his place of peace was not in the surroundings, but it was anchored in another realm, another reality. Come on, somebody. We are seeing with him in heavenly places. Paul talks about this. It is time the church learns to take her position and take her seat. Come on, at the right hand with Jesus until he makes his enemies our footstool. So suddenly as they were crossing the lake, a ferocious tempest arose and violent winds and waves that were crashing into the boat until it was all but swamped. I want you to also notice in this text that they were going from one location to the next. They were about to go to the land of Gadara where Jesus was going to confront a principality and an entire region was about to be was about to be changed. I believe this is where we're at. This is why we have fought the wars that we fought in 2020 and in the days behind us. This is why the battle has been intense. We're about to we are moving out of the church age church into the kingdom age where the gospel of the kingdom is going to be preached. The gospel of salvation is about souls being saved, but the gospel of the kingdom 
kingdom is about the earth being transformed. Man, the earth is groaning for the manifestation of the sons of God, those that will move in their identity as sons and daughters of God. Jesus is taking his disciples from one location to a next. He's taking them from a place of where they're teaching to the place where a city and regional transformation is about to take place. I am so looking forward into this that I believe we're going to see entire regions swept by the power of the gospel. I believe that signs, wonders, and miracles will be displayed in the days of head like we have never seen. We will not have to look back at the days of Voice of Healing and William Branham and the things that we that we've read about in the books. I remember seeing a, receiving a prophetic word one time, and the prophetic word was this, the things that you have dreamed about and that you have talked about will be you will walk about. I believe we are moving into those days of walking about those things where healing is taking place. At, at, I'm talking about that will shut down the lives of CNN and the mainstream media. They will not be able to deny the glory of God that is about to cover this earth. Habakkuk says that the glory of God shall cover the earth as the waters covers the sea. Friend, I'm telling you, God is about to show up in great, power and splendor for those that will move and trust him those that are willing to ride the storms out in the boat, those that are willing to shove offshore and, and, and get beyond the ankle deep and the waist deep water, those that are willing to go out into the deep water with him that have a deep place of trust in him, these are the ones that gods are going to use to do great exploits in the days ahead. Now notice this. So they get in this storm and as they're in this storm, they, they, shook, they shook him awake. They, they, they wake Jesus up. They, 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 they wake him up and look at their hearts cry. This is, this is where I want to take us to this morning. Teacher, do you even care that we're about to die? Fully awake, he rebuked the storm and he shouted to the sea, hush, calm down. All at once, the wind stopped howling, and the water became perfectly calm. Then he turned to his disciples and said to them, Why are you so afraid? Haven't you learned to trust yet? Church, this is where I want to take our attention. I really want to take our attention to two sentences here. Do you don't even care? Do you even care? Friend, that statement right there comes from an orphan identity that is not anchored in the fact that we are his sons and daughters. I got three boys whom I, who I would lay my life down for. There's not a day that goes by that I'm not thinking about them, that I'm not looking after them, that I'm not making sure that they have the best that they can have. And friend, if the Bible says if we being evil know how to good give good gifts unto our children, how much more shall your heavenly Father give good gifts to us? Listen, friend, you think about the best father on the earth and the burning passion that they have for their children. You multiply that a million times and that is the heart of the Father for us. He cares about us in every storm, in every situation. There is not a moment that He is not caring totally for us. This comes from a place in their heart where they're not, where they're not anchored at trust and they're not anchored into sonship. Do you not even care? We're about to die. We're about to die. And you're not even doing nothing. You're anchored at a place. You're sleeping in the boat and the winds are about to take us down. Jesus rebukes this. 
And he turns to his disciples and said, why are you afraid? Why is fear, why is fear still having a place in your heart? Haven't you learned to trust? Haven't you learned to trust me? Look back over the, every one of us, friends, saints, if you've been walking with the Lord for a period of time, you've got a history book with God of every time God has come through. I, I can't tell you the challenges we face since the Lord told us in 2013, will you go on a journey? Will you go on a journey? Will you move from everything you've ever known and go on to this journey to Sparks? This little old town near 75. Every time our back was to the wall, every time I thought we wasn't going to make it, God would make provision. He would make, he would make manna fall. He would make water come out of a rock. Everything that we've needed, he's provided thus far. Friend, every time those doubts creep into your mind that he doesn't care, look back over the history of your life and see how God's provided in every time that you've needed his provision. Whether it was healing, whether it was finances, whether it was peace, whatever it is, he's faithful to come through. The enemy tries to make the winds come to get us to unanchor that place of trust and to move us over in fear because fear is not anchored in love. Perfect love drives out all fear. So my journey is, I was reading this book this week. Over the past couple of weeks, it was a book about business and it was on honor in business, which is definitely something that needs to be restored in our society. That small word called honor, it releases life. And one of the things I was reading and studying and learning in this book is that dishonor comes from a false, it comes from a broken identity. It comes from an orphan identity uh, is where dishonor comes from. And honor flows from an identity as, as a son and daughter of God. And this guy was talking about in business that he had to learn how to close the gap between fear and trust and the in the great in that gap, what created that gap was was the holes in his heart when it came to his identity as a son and daughter of God. And what he talked about is he learned how to move and create his uh, and learn how to fix those identity crises within him. Is how quickly that gap between fear and trust would close. Now all of us are faced with things. I don't think that we're ever going to get to the place that we don't deal with fear in any circumstances. But I do believe we should be at a place where we're not moved by it, where we're not tossed or we're not taken astray or we're not taking away and letting our emotions run wild with us, taking us to a place that we don't see the goodness of God. Now listen to this. We see the world not as it is, but as we are or, I, or as we are conditioned to see it. Now think about this. We see the world not as it is, but as we are and as we are conditioned to see it. In the midst of this storm, the disciples were the ones that thought they were going to die. The Lord never thought they were going to die, for he knew that he had the power inside of him to rebuke any storm that would come against them. We know that this storm was demonic in nature because Jesus stood up to rebuke the storm. Now, the gap between fear and trust is tied to how we see ourselves. In other words, our identity as sons and daughters of God 
or, or, or as estranged orphans. If I, if I allow the orphan mentality to get inside of me and I begin to live in shame and I begin to live in, in, in distrust and in, in a poverty mentality and all these things that are tied to the orphan mentality, that gap or that chasm that a fear to trust becomes becomes wide. As I begin to solidify the areas of my heart that have been broken, really coming up all the way into childhood and all the way all the other things of learning our identity. Um, as as I as I begin to solidify that as a son and daughter of God, that gap between fear and trust begins to get small, and that length of time I stay in that place begins to shrink. Now. Orphan thinking is this, the world is not a safe place. No one really loves me. No one is going to provide for my needs. I am alone and I'm on my own. These are core beliefs produced by the following patterns of thinking and behavior. Number one is shame. Number one is shame. Listen to this. Brene Brown, if you get an opportunity to listen to her TED Talk, she is amazing. She has brought brought great light to the subject of shame. And one of the things she says is that shame is different than guilt. Guilt says I did something bad, while shame says I am bad. Guilt is tied to uh, to an action, while shame is tied to an identity. Shame, Shame says... I'm never going to be right. I'm never going to be good enough. I'm never going to be at a place that I can receive the abundance that God has provided for me. Friend, one thing I want you to understand, God is a God of abundance. He is not a God of lack. He is a God of abundance. When he showed up to Peter and the sons of Zebedee on their boat, he said, cast your net out to the right side. And and they said, Lord, we fished all night, but nevertheless, at your word, we we will let the nets down one more time. As they begin to let the nets down, the scripture says they got they caught a great number of fish that Peter had to call the other boats near to help them get the nets onto the shores. He fell down at the Lord's feet and says, for I'm a sinful man. God's first expression to Peter was, I want you to know me as a God of an abundance. I want you to know that I will not only take care of your needs, I will take care of every desire in your heart, friend. God wants to fulfill the desires of our heart. He wants to go. Religion told us that we can just get by, but God is a God of abundance. From the very first moment, he wanted Peter to know, I am an extravagant God. This is who I am. I go above beyond more that you could more that you could ask think or imagine that's what his word says in Ephesians 3:20 now but shame is tied to an identity guilt guilt is an action guilt i did something wrong Shane goes deeper than that and says, I am something wrong. And if you believe that you are something, you will begin to repeat that over and over and it becomes a cycle in your life. And how you break that cycle is you break, you break, you break agreement with the lie. When you break an agreement with the lie, friend, as long as... uh, when we agree with a lie, we empower that enemy. 
But when we break agreement with it, we disempower him. And when we break agreement with the lie that says we are something wrong, we come in a, we break agreement with that and we come into an agreement that I am God's beloved son and daughter. And what he's created, he has not created wrong. He has not created me to be an addicted man. He's not created me to be a sick man. He's not created me to be a broke man. He's created me to live life and to life more abundantly. Now, shame is tied to an identity. In 2 Samuel chapter 9, I've thought about this a lot. I'm on this journey of learning to trust. This is where I'm at. I'm on a journey to learn to trust. This has been my prayer, and my prayer is, God, where I've not trusted you in the past, don't let me take these things into 2021. Let me begin to bury some things in the past. Let there be a graveyard behind me. And a graveyard, I want in that graveyard shame. I want in that graveyard a poverty mentality. I want in that graveyard distrust, dishonor, all of those things. This is just where... I'm at personally. I pray this is helping some of us this morning. Even when uh, Catherine and I, I knew that we were not feeling well. And, you know, the media, and I will, the media hot, the media has the way they have placed COVID and, and the things like that. And I, I, rem, I remember the feeling when the doctor called us back and he said, we have it. And, my mind tried to run away with me. And I immediately just sat back and I said, God, I said, I am not, I, 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 I'm, not a, I'm not a statistic here. I am your beloved son. I've got so much destiny. I've got so much promise hanging over my life. And I choose to come in agreement with what you have spoken over my life. Regardless of what we face, friend, I want to tell you what God has said, God will establish. He that hath begun a good work in you, he shall complete it unto the end. What we must understand is he is a farmer. He's cultivating something from a seed. It takes a seed a while to to. to to get roots deep into the ground. It takes a while for it to break through and it takes a while for it to produce fruit. But God is building something into our lives. Now, in this in 2 Samuel 9 is the story of Mephibosheth. Many of you watching are aware of this story. You know Mephibosheth was the grandson of Saul. He was the son of Jonathan. And he's five years old and the news comes back of what had happened at Geboah where Saul and Jonathan are killed in the battle. And a nurse runs and picks up Mephibosheth, and she's running out of fear. She's trying to protect him. And as she's running and she's afraid, uh, she drops Mephibosheth, and, um, and he becomes crippled. And here is, here's a prince with God. Here is, here is a son of the king. And... He's 20 years old, and he's living at a place called Lodabar. Friend, there's so many believers that are living in Lodabar. They're living in a wasteland without green pastures. They're totally unaware of their birthright and what God has provided for them. Religion has sold us, a, I mean, a sack of lies that has kept us beyond our benefit package in Jesus. For the scripture says, forget not all thy benefits. There is an amazing benefits and amazing inheritance. He told Abraham, I am your exceedingly great reward. God is a rewarder, friend. He is good. Psalms 34 and 8 says, taste of the Lord and see that he is good. Mephibosheth, this, 
This, this, this, this prince with God is living in Lodabar. His name means destroyer of shame or breaker of shame. But he's got shame all over his life. He's crippled not by his own doing, but he's crippled by someone that was trusted to take care of him that dropped him, and he's living in this place called Lodabar. David was a covenant man. He is a picture of God's covenant with us, friend. God's covenant with you doesn't depend on your actions. It doesn't depend on your performance. He made a covenant with Jesus who left. He gave up his deity, came to the earth, humbled himself as a man, died a criminal's death on the cross, and God made a covenant with him through that cross with us. When the angel showed up during the Christmas season, he announced peace and goodwill toward men. That is God's heart towards us. That is God's heart towards the earth. He's not raining judgment down upon us, friend. He's with us even in a pandemic. He's with us even in, in, a, in a diagnosis from a doctor of a terminal disease. He's with us even unto the end. Now, Mephibosheth is living at this place. He's staying with a family friend. And David, being a covenant man, he begins to inquire and says, Is there anyone of the household of Jonathan that I may show kindness and favor to? He said, Well, there is someone. Mephibosheth. He's living in Lodabar. At this time when the king, when the kingdom changed hands, a lot of times the king would destroy the lineage or destroy the, the lineage of the, of the previous administration because they wouldn't want anyone to rise up to take their place. Look how David's identity is secure, knowing what God has given him. No man could ever take from him, friend. Oh, I long for the day we get leaders like this in our community. Then we could come together. If we could lose all of that insecurity that I can take your people or you can get my people. What God has given me, no man could take from me, friend. It is a gift from heaven. What, what we gain through honor will always be protected by favor. That's a good word. The land that you gain through honor will always be protected by God's favor. I don't have to stay up at night trying to protect anything here. God has given me this as an inheritance. I don't have to worry if it's going to go out from under my feet. I can trust Him with it. Regardless of how many people we run, regardless of what kind of ties comes in, God will protect what He's, what he's given me through honor, he will always protect it by his favor, and he will do the same for you, friend. So Mephibosheth's living here. He's, he's, he's crippled. His name means destroyer of shame, but his life is covered up by this shame. He, feel, he doesn't feel any of that royal identity left it within him. So David pulls up. He hears. you got to understand, if the President of the United States was coming, we would know he was here. The motor, the motorcade and all of the processional that would precede him coming, the king is coming to Lodabar. Mephibosheth hears it. When he sees David, the scripture says he goes to the ground and he identifies himself as a dog. And David looks down at Mephibosheth and it is nothing that Mephibosheth could have earned. It is nothing that Mephibosheth did Mephibosheth is about to get great grace because of a birthright. 
And that's how you and I receive it. It is not something that we earn. It is simply the gift of God to us, friend. Sonship, grace, the goodness of God. David restores Mephibosheth's identity. He pulls him out of that place, puts him at his own house, brings him to the palace, and sets him at the king's table. He's sitting there with all the royal identity. God restores that back. Now, everything God does in our lives, He does to bring increase, not decrease. I want to read you this. I want to read you this. Out of the book of Romans, the 8th chapter. And I, 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 I read this often because I try to get this to sink deep within my heart. Let's look at this in Romans 8, verse 14. It says, The mature children of God are those who are moved by the impulses of the Holy Spirit. You did not receive the spirit of religious duty. You didn't receive. You didn't receive an orphan mentality. That is not what we received. We did not receive the spirit of religious duty where we have to earn His approval. We did not receive the spirit where we have to work to get anything. Christianity is not about doing. It is about being. Leading you back into fear of never being good enough. God is not leading us into that fear of never being good enough, of not measuring up. Look at what he said. But you have received, you and I, friend, you and I have received the spirit of full acceptance. Of full acceptance. No, 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 listen to this. This is not, this is not on whether where you got it right or not. This is not on whether how, how much trust you have or how much distrust you have. You have been fully, fully accepted. <laughs> With the spirit of full acceptance unfolding you into the family of God. Mephibosheth went from no family to a full family. You and I, when we receive Jesus Christ, we have been accepted into the family of God. Look at this. Enfolding us into the family of God, and you will never feel orphaned. You'll never feel orphaned. You're not alone. Regardless of what you're facing this morning, whether it be a lack of finances in need of healing, you're not alone. Everything you need has been provided through the cross. Look at this. And you will never feel orphaned for as He rises up within us, our spirits join in Him saying the words of tender affection, Beloved Father, Beloved Father, Abba Father, for the Holy Spirit makes God's fatherhood real to us as He whispers into our innermost being, You are God's beloved child. And since we are His children, we qualify to share all His treasures. For indeed, we are heirs of God Himself. And since we are joined to Christ, we are inherit in all that He is and all that He has. We will, we will experience being co-glorified co with Him and provided that we accept the sufferings as our own. God has adopted us into sonship. Now listen to this. I want to go over one other thing. That orphan thinking also produces a poverty mentality. In this book that I was reading on business, of restoring honor in business, he, he, he wrote a statement about the spirit of poverty that I've never seen before. Now, 
we know this, that poverty is not the amount of finances that you have or don't have. You can be totally broke and not be in a spirit of poverty. Or you can have a million dollars in the bank and have a poverty mentality. Poverty mentality is living with the fear of lack. Living that there's never going to be enough. There's never going to be enough. And it's ate up through the South, especially where I live. Because we go to church with people and we see one person being extremely blessed. And and the poverty mentality makes jealousy and envy rise up in my heart because we believe if that person got something that they just, they took away from the pie. In other words, the pie is not as large as it was. Otherwise, I don't have the opportunity to get something now. But the, but the true reality is, is God's resources will never be exhausted. He owns a cattle of a thousand hills. And we're all his favorite children. And he has the ability to bless all of us, friend. And just because someone's walking in extreme blessing doesn't mean that they took anything from me. It just means if one person in the family got it, hey, at least God's getting close to my family now. You know what I'm saying? I'm, I'm, I'm in line. If I can rejoice with them that rejoice and weep with them that weep, it makes me a candidate to walk in the same thing. Now, it produces a poverty mentality. This belief, this belief tells us that we live in a world of finite resources in which we may not get what we need. Look at these disciples. Winds are hitting the boat. They're in the midst of a pandemic. They don't know what to do. And their first thought is, he doesn't even care about us. He doesn't even care what we're facing. Oh, friend. Oh, friend, if I could help you anyway this morning, I would tell you this, that he cares. He cares about those nights that you lay that pe- your head on those pillow, uh, that pillow and you feel so lonely. He cares. He cares that, that you look at that checkbook and you don't know how you're going to provide for your family. He cares. He cares when that doctor looks at you and says, hey, there's no hope. He cares, friend. When Stephen was being stoned, the Bible says that Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father. But the Scripture says that he looked up into heaven and he saw Jesus standing. I want to tell you with every hardship we go through that heaven stands with us on our behalf. So we live in a world of finite resources, but we, 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 we get that we may not get what we need. The poverty mindset, listen to this, is deeper than lack. It is the belief that I'm not good enough. It is a belief deep down within our heart that says I'm not ever going to be qualified to walk in that. I'll never be qualified to live in that. I'll never be qualified to drive that. I'll never be qualified to have that type of ministry. Now, I've been on a long journey with this and I've come a long ways in my life and I think that there will be people that can attest to that, how far I come. And one of the things that I know, even though that I loved I loved my family and I loved where we live, where we did live. I knew that I would never obey. I would never live to the potential or be the man that God saw in me if I did not get out from among the thinking of my own people. God told Abraham, he said, leave your father's household. Some of us have to leave the mentality of that place. And notice when God showed Abraham the vision, He brought him outside to look at the sky. He brought him out of that closed place of the tent. 
and brought him outside to an unlimited place and says, look into the vastness of the heavens. This is the vision I'm placing within your heart. So I knew that there was, I was on a journey out of that, out of that type of mentality that I'm not good enough to do that. And I know early on in my, early on in my ministry that God would always bring businessmen into my life. And I remember, I remember the thoughts of, I'm just being honest here, maybe my own honesty will maybe help you this morning that, that of thinking because of what we lived in wasn't good enough, what we drove wasn't good enough. But early on, God was putting the seeds in my heart that these are the people that I've called to be around you, son. This is what I see in you. But I did not see in my own self what God saw in me, which created this, 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 this chasm that I'm talking about of fear and distrust, and I didn't learn how to trust Him with that. And so early on, to be honest, because I did not know how to manage myself, I didn't know how to manage those relationships, and some of those relationships got sabotaged because of fear coming from my own heart. Remember, we don't see the world the way that it is. We see the world the way that we are or the way that we are conditioned to see it. And little by little, God began to bring assurance to me, and God began to bring people in my life that could speak into my life that saw me the way that God saw me. And so, um, you know, I, I, I remember... I remember going into a business and this businessman looking at me and speaking uh, 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 the destiny that God had over my life. And, um, and he handed me a pen. And this pen was uh, almost $1,500. It was a, it was a Mont Blanc uh, pen with a pearl crushed into the end. And it took me almost a year of walking with that pen to realize the significance of that gift because a pen is one of the greatest gifts that you can give someone because it communicates, I value what you have to say. And God was speaking to me, son, the word that I put in your heart, I value that. And it's worthy to come out. And so this has just been a journey for me of learning how to trust God and learning that the things that even though I'm in the South doesn't mean I have a doesn't mean I have a small mentality or just because I live in Sparks doesn't mean that it, this is not the greatest place that God could have ever planted me. To me, I look at my city today and I'm proud of the name on the water tower. I'm proud of this small town that I live in that I call home. It's where God chose to plant me. And it's from this place. Hey, great things can come from small places. The Lord Jesus come from that little manger in the town of Bethlehem. And so I, I don't knock my city anymore. And I don't knock the way, I don't knock the, the fact that we're down just in rural South Georgia. And friend, I've been in some of the greatest moves of God that I've ever been in down here in this rural parts of the South. And God's not forgotten about the rural areas. God's going to move tremendously in the in the in the rural areas. And so I just bless you leaders that are that are pastoring in small towns. You know, sometimes we want to look and we want to compare ourselves to Charlotte or Reading or any other place that God is using. But uh just have the grace to to trust God and be faithful in the field that He's placed you in. And so um so anyhow but Luke 15 listen to this the poverty mindset is deeper. It looks at a it it's it is deeper then lack, it is the belief that I'm not good enough. I don't measure up. I'm not worthy to walk in that. I'm not worthy to go to the Ritz. I'm not worthy to eat in that restaurant. Uh, all of those things. Uh, man, we got a long ways to go with this. 
But Luke 15 tells the story of two sons. I'm going to try to land a plane here in a minute. But Luke 15 tells the story of two sons. And we always heard the church preach on that, on that younger son who demanded his inheritance. And he, he demands his inheritance early, and he goes and squanders it. There's Proverbs says an inheritance gained swiftly will not be blessed in the end. There's no shortcuts in the kingdom. Everyone is on a journey, friend. And, and so, um, so this young son demands his inheritance. He squanders it. He's not, he's not ready to handle such wealth. And most of the church preach about that. But we forget that it is the story of two sons. And here's what I want to tell you, that both sons squandered their inheritance. Both sons squandered their inheritance. You said, well, Pastor John, I don't know about that. The Scripture says that the younger son went and blowed his money on wild living. Well, the older brother squandered his inheritance by never touching, by never accessing what was available to him. He let it lie in waste, and he never trusted God to put to use what God had provided for him. There's a story, I've read this in several books, but there's a story of a guy that saved up his money. He was longing to go to America. And he saved up all of his money, and he finally come up with enough money to buy a ticket to get aboard a ship. And he boards his ship, and he, he exhausts all of his resources just to get the ticket to get on the ship. And so he realizes that he will not have enough money to, for provisions or he will not have money for souvenirs and he wouldn't have money for, to eat at the extravagant dining hall on the ship. So he gathers all the rations and all the portions he can of cheese and crackers. And he doesn't think that he'll have enough even for the journey, but he thinks that even if I can just get on the ship to make the journey, it'll be worth it even if I have to go hungry. And so... A few days into the journey, he looks over at his, at his rations that he has of cheese and crackers and realizes that it is not going to suffice to the end of the journey. So he knows that he's going to use the last few days to be hungry. On the last few days of his journey, a stewardess comes by and asks him, why is he not enjoying the amenities of the ship? Why is he not eating in the fine dining hall? Why is he not enjoying some of the finest pastries? Why is he not enjoying some of the, some of the, the ice cream and the drinks that are available on the ship? Why is he just doing without? And he looks at her and he says, Ma'am, he says, I don't have the money. I don't have the resources. I don't have what it takes to get into that dining hall and eat with those guests. And the stewardess says, Let me see the ticket. And as a short inspection of the ticket, she tells, him, she tells him back, Sir, when you bought the fare, you, bought, you, bought, you, ha- you gained access to all the rights and all the amenities on the, that this ship has to offer. Friend, what kept that man from dining at the finest of hall, when he, at the finest meals, when he had access to it, was his own mentality. That mentality, that place that we're not, that place that we're not seated with him in absolute trust, in absolute trust that we are his sons and daughters. My children have access to everything I have. They have access to everything in the fridge. They have access to every bank account I have. Everything I 
I have is theirs. Can I tell you some great news, friend, this morning? Everything heaven has is yours. When you became a believer in Jesus, you punched a ticket. And that ticket was everything that the cross provided for us. There's a reason why Jesus sat back in Matthew 27 and he says, it is finished. That means everything we would need was provided for in that moment when he was beating on the when he was beat at the whipping post our healing was provided for in the old covenant in Isaiah it says by his stripes we are healed looking unto the cross but notice how Peter when he writes he says by his stripes we were healed looking back unto the cross so today I don't look unto healing I look back at healing that has already been provided for me and when I need healing when COVID came into my house I was reminded by a friend of mine she texts me and she said you remember she reminded me of something that they were watching on the live stream that I said and one night my youngest son Asher come into the room and he wasn't feeling well and I looked at him and I said Asher say this healing is mine in Jesus name when she found out that we had COVID she said I want to remind you of what you told Asher that healing is mine I simply said for me and my wife and my children healing is mine in the name of Jesus and it didn't take a few days but healing manifested in my household, friend. And the strength of that COVID began to break off of our lives and God began to do a work in us. Friend, healing is yours. You just got to claim it. You got the ticket in your hand for what you need. If you need provision, wealth is yours. It is promised to us in the Word of God. God has not given you poverty. He's not given you lack. He says, I give unto you the power to obtain wealth. It is in you right now. You got to allow that you've got to allow that spirit inside of you to rise up and to whisper into your heart whose you are and who you are. You are a son and daughter of the king. We are not called to live in lack. Friend, look at your ticket. Look at the word of God of everything it promises you. It promises you rest. He gives his beloved rest. It promises you peace. He get, Matthew In John 20, he breathed on them and says, My peace I give unto you. It is not something we have to pray for. We have it in our possession now. Peace is not the absence of chaos, but it is living in absolute trust that he's got me in this. He's with me in this. He will see me through with this. He will come through on my behalf. If he's come through in the past, he will come through again, friend. That's why the Bible says when you've done all you know to do, stand therefore, stand therefore, girded with the armor of God, with the helmet of salvation, with the shield of faith, the sword of the Spirit, the breastplate of righteousness, the belt of truth and shod with the gospel of peace on your feet. Stand therefore. Why? Because if God has come through one time, friend, he will come through again. He is not going to leave us. That is a lie. We do not have to live like the disciples. Don't you even care? I'm telling you, he cares, friend. Every detail of your life, he cares. Psalms 139, he knows you're rising up till you're going down. He knows your email address, your house address, your phone number, everything you have, God God is into every detail of your life. Every detail. He's moving us into this place of trust. He's got us in this. He's got us in this. I'm going to try to finish this up, man. I feel this thing this morning. There's a book. I encourage you to read it. 
It is a book by, called Ruthless Trust by Brennan Manning. I was handed that book in 2018 at the close of it. It's a phenomenal writing. I've, I've read it a couple of times, and here's a few things I want to tell you out of that book. Brennan Manning defines trust as this. To fully accept, to fully accept we have been accepted by God. God doesn't only love me, friend. He's wild about me. When you get to heaven, your portrait's going to be hanging in the main room. Is the ability to believe that I have been fully accepted by God. In other words, I'm fully His child. Resting in that place that I am fully of His child. During COVID, I'm fully of His child. He's going to protect me. He's going to watch over me. He's going to protect my life. I can trust Him. There was a... In 2019, I had the privilege of... Uh, of um, chartering a flight. And it was my first flight that I'd ever, that I'd ever been on that we chartered. And to be honest with you, man, it made, it's unbelievable how it makes you feel like a king when you're walking to a private jet. And, uh, and on the way back, remember I'm telling you a journey. I'm telling you my own story here. This has been a journey for me. This has been a journey. But I'm learning to trust. I trust Him more today than I've ever trusted in my life, friend. Fear is losing its hold on my life. If fear will not dominate my family in 2021, fear will not be on my life in 2021. It is something that is behind me. I'm learning to fully trust because I'm his child. And he cares about everything concerning my life. That God is never leading me into lack. He's always leading me into increase. Always. On the way back, I knew that we had stayed. We had stayed at this place um, for a great length of time, and we were to fly back. Well, at this particular point, I kept checking the weather because I knew that it was in the summertime, and I knew that there would be thunderstorms. And so we make it back to the airport. We had flown to Virginia. And... We come back, and I could see that there was some clouds off in the distance forming or whatever. And as we flew up, the pilot never paid much attention to the large screens that was at the front of the aircraft. It was just an easy flight, great flight. It was about an hour and 15 minutes, and we were on the ground. So coming back, it didn't take long when we reached, I don't know, it was around probably 25,000 feet. You could see the thunderheads out there. And I noticed the screen. He kept constantly going through the screen. The pilot kept constantly going through the screen. And I could see the big thunderheads, and I could tell that we were trying to navigate around the thunderheads. And one of the men that were on the flight looked at me, and he said, man, are you nervous? Are you, you got anxiety? Are you fearful? And I said, well, I said, I want to be honest with you. I said that, you know, I said our lives are in his hands. And he looked at me and he said, John, he said, our life has never been in his hands. He said, our life is in his hands. And it was an, that statement was so profound to me that it began to adjust my focus. I boarded that aircraft thinking that my life was held in that pilot's hands. That pilot is never the one that is piloting my life. 
It's Yahweh that is piloting my life. And my life is held in His hands. And friend, I want to tell you this, that God is trying to move us at a place of trust. The church has got to learn to move at a deeper place of trust. And you may be watching this and say, Pastor John, well, I trust the Lord. Well, I'm just, all I'm doing is sharing with you my own heart and what I feel like God of my own journey and where I'm trying to get at in my life. But I trust, we've got to get at a place where we trust His provision. We trust in everything that He has provided for us that He's going to bring through in our lives. Now, so Brendan Manning defines trust as what? The ability to accept that we have been accepted by God. In other words, I'm fully his child. Listen to this. Here's another story in the book that John Cavanaugh, one of the greatest theological minds, taught at the University of Chicago, had a nervous breakdown and took a three-month sabbatical. On his sabbatical, he flew to Calcutta, India, where Mother Teresa was tending to the sick. He wanted Mother Teresa to pray for him, and he goes to Mother Teresa, and he said, will you pray that God will give me clarity? Will you pray that God will give me clarity? She looks at him and says, John, I will not pray that. She said, I have never had clarity. What I have always had is trust, and I will pray that God will give you trust. Jesus in the midst of that storm rebuking that storm looks at his disciples and says have not you learned to trust yet church have we learned to trust are we learning to trust are we being anchored in the goodness of God and in the fact that we are his sons and daughters and if we are his sons and daughters God is going to come through I'm not going to leave one of my children hanging I'm going to come through for them now, I want to close with this. This is so powerful. It's read at almost, almost all the funerals, but it's definitely not a funeral text. It is a going through the valleys text. It is a, it is a text of the goodness of God and living with Him as your best friend and as Abba Father. The Lord is my best friend and my shepherd. I always have more than enough. He offers a resting place for me in His luxurious love. Whew, God is trying to put us at that place. That's where He restores and revives my life. He, opened before, he opens before me pathways to God's pleasure. And he leads me along in his footsteps of his righteousness so that I can bring honor to his name. Lord, even when your path takes me through the valley of deepest darkness, even through the path of a pandemic, Lord, we don't know what to do. Fear will never conquer me. Look at this. I'm not going to live in that gap no more between fear and trust. Fear will never conquer me. It will never be able to conquer me because for you already have. I've already been conquered by love. I've been conquered by the fact that I'm fully accepted. I'm conquered by the fact that I got a history book with him of how many times he's come through for me. I'm conquered by that and I rest in that. I'm not going to be moved into anxiety. I'm not going to be moved into fear. 
I'm resting in the place of his luxurious love because even in the presence of my enemies, he prepares a table, friend. He prepares a table in the midst of my enemies, in the midst of a bad report, in the midst of a bad month in business. He prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies. The comfort of your love takes away my fear. I'm learning now as a child how to receive it. I'm learning now how to get out of this place of orphan thinking of poverty and and shame and distrust and dishonor. I'm coming out of that place and I'm learning how to live in the place of your luxurious love. The comfort of your love takes away any fear. Perfect love drives out. Perfect love drives out fear. Fear and love cannot cohabitate. Perfect love drives it out. I will never be lonely, for you are near. You become my delicious feast, even when my enemies dare to fight. You anoint me with the fragrance of your Holy Spirit, and you give me all I can drink of you until my heart overflows. So why would I fear the future? Why am I going to tote anxiety into 2021? I'm not. I'm letting it go. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things are becoming new. For your goodness and love pursue me all the days of my life. Your goodness and your love are pursuing me, friend. Notice to this, don't you even care? Friend, he cares. He is pursuing us all the days of my life. Then afterward, when my life is through, I'll return to your glorious presence to be with you forever. Friend, I sure hope today that God has encouraged you. I hope that I hope this word has brought some encouragement to you. I am looking with great anticipation into this year. I am working to solidify my anchor in His goodness. My anchor in in hope is in Him that God is 100% for me. And if He be for me, then who in the world could ever be against me? I want to give you some great news. You're going to make it. You're going to finish the race strong. We're going to complete the race. We're going to build everything God says He was going to build. You're going to live your life in abundance. I don't care what your bank statement says today. That is what God says about you, friend. He has called you to the abundant life, and you're going to walk in possessing it. You are worthy to walk in it. You are worthy because you're king's kid. You are a royal priesthood, a chosen generation. That's who you are. Yes, you are, friend. That's who. That's exactly what God says. We are king's kids, and our father owns the cattle of a thousand hills. He's mega wealthy, and he loves to share that wealth with his children. So I bless you, friend. God bless you for tuning in this morning. We look forward to seeing you next Sunday. If there's any reason that we should not gather next Sunday, I will come and let you know myself uh, via, uh, via a short video. Um, God bless you. We look forward to hearing. Drop us some comments. On this, on there, and uh, let us know how this, uh, this, this has just been a blessing to you. We, uh, we bless all of our partners, man. All of the people that watch us, uh, Luda Wissy, God bless you over there, Mark and Emily. I, I, I can't wait to get back at your house. I'm so thankful for your friendship. 
Oh, I bless your household and your children mightily. Dion, thank you for watching uh, from Brunswick. Your friendship is amazing to us. God bless you. We love you. Uh, Chris and Mandy over in Leesburg, God bless you. We love you. Catherine, I love your family dearly. I'm just so thankful for the people that God has put in our life. God has put some great ministers in this house. Pastor Junior and Tracy, God bless you. Um, I love you with all my heart. This is going to be a great year, church. We're going to see a lot of amazing things. Let's get anchored in his trust. Don't forget, if you need prayer, text us, I mean, email us at prayer at sparkswillfly.cc. We have a team of intercessors that pray over every request. Don't forget on your giving, yes, uh, uh, giving is not, um, it is not some uh, task that we have to do. It's an opportunity we have to partner with heaven. I am so thankful that God broke the fear of lack off of my life years ago. I have, I, it is not a burdensome for me to tithe, friend. Are you hearing me? This morning, that's how you begin to break that poverty off of your life. Get the faith of God to write a tithe check. Don't I tithe on what I want to make. And so um, so anyhow, God bless you, friend. Don't forget, you can text to give. You can give online. Obey God in your giving, and we're so thankful that you do. God has tremendously blessed this ministry. We have been able in the month of December to be a blessing to pastors and leaders, and, 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 and I'm so thankful for your support financially. God bless you, friend. I look forward to seeing you live here at the Stone next Sunday. God bless you. We love you. We hope you enjoyed our message of the week. Thanks for joining us. Our passion at Cornerstone is our family atmosphere built on deep relationships. We want to connect with you. Please take a moment and download our app and connect with us on social media to stay updated with all things Cornerstone. We pray you have a wonderful week.